0: You look good. We're glad that you're here. Uh, Man, we're pumped about uh, this video you just watched, and it's an event called Pure Adventure that uh, is going to be for fathers and sons. It's on Saturday, October the 29th, and so we are giving you plenty of notice. We want you to be prepared and mark that date down. You can go on their website, pureadventure.com, and if you'll click on Upcoming Events, you can scroll and you'll find our event on there. It's going to be right here locally, and I would highly, highly encourage you Uh, If you have a son, if you're a father with a son, to to sign up, be a part of this event, this one day on a Saturday event. uh, It's just going to impact your life, I believe, in a profound way. And uh, connect you with your son or your sons, if you have more than one. uh, Bring them both or all three of them or however many. And it's going to be a fun time and an intentional time. And uh, so we want you to make plans to, to be prepared for that. We have 21 days of prayer coming up. At the beginning of every year, we do 21 days of prayer and fasting. Uh, this year we have put a lot more emphasis on prayer because we believe so strongly in praying as a church. So we did something called May We Pray And then uh, on August the 29th through September the 18th, we're gonna have 21 days of prayer. so we have intentional times each day where we're gonna you know set alarms and spend time praying corporately as a church during those 21 days. On September the 18th, we celebrate six years as a church. So we're excited about that. Uh, that's coming up. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, Men's breakfast is August the 20th at 8 a.m., and then I'm excited because if you serve on any team in our church, uh, greeting, worship, uh, leading a group, uh, outreach, anything you do, iKids, I want you to be here on Sunday evening, August the 28th, for our serve team rally, Um, and we're going to have an awesome time of worship together. Uh, I believe that God's given me something to speak into you specifically as people that are connected and involved and serving in our church, so we're going to do that. We're going to encourage you. We're going to look ahead into what God has for us in the fall. Uh, Season of our church and what he wants to do through our church. So it's gonna be a great time So mark that on your calendars. It's gonna be at five o'clock on Sunday, August 28th, and we want you to be here Um, man, it's it's good to be back, and I, w- I want to say this, I, I, I just looked down, you know, you make notes on your, on, on, my iPad here, and I just looked down and saw something else. Um, if you have a student 5th through fifth through 8th tw- grade, we have a ministry in this service called uh, iClub for them specifically after worship, and it is right next door in our building right across the parking lot here, so if they're interested in that, um, you can take them over there, and they're just getting, getting started over there as well. Um, as I said, it's good to be back. Um, here's... Uh, it's good to have time away and uh, be refreshed and spend time with family I discovered a few things while we were gone while we had our time away uh, the, the first thing is it's so important because I love you, but I love my wife more than you And I love you, and I, but I love my kids more than you And uh, so it's good to spend time with them We got to spend time with family and uh, just hang out together and, uh, But here's another thing that I discovered too This is our church home and uh, we love coming back here, and it's good to be back, and I am I am so ready for what God's going to do uh, as we finish out this year strong, and we go into the season of our church. Man, I'm pumped up about it, but wasn't July, wasn't it just, wasn't it encouraging? Come on, were you blessed in the month of July with, with Aaron and Michael and Lucas and, and Jerry last week? Come on, we were we were watching some of those messages and listening to some of them on the podcast and talking about forgiveness. Come on, have you forgave somebody this last week? Come on, somebody. I don't know how you could. I don't know how you could watch that or be at church or listen to that on a podcast and not be like, God, yeah, that's exactly what I need to do." Right? I mean, it was so it was so powerful. But uh, man, we're we're glad to be back and and I'm excited to be able to look you in the face. Come on and bring the word of God. It feels like it's been so long since I've been able to do that. But um, I've been praying about some direction for our church and where God wants to take us in the fall and as we uh, jump into this season. And I feel like I've got uh, a few messages that he's put on my heart specifically and then a series that we're probably going to jump into as we head into the fall season of our church. But today we're going to begin in the book of Jude. If you've got a Bible, you can turn there. Come on, it's the the next to the last book of your Bible. So go to the very end and start flipping backward. And uh, once you get past Revelation, then you'll hit Jude or you can just look on the screen Uh, Just to give you a little context, because I'm not going to read, Jude is just one chapter, uh, so it's a real easy read for you, but uh, I want to give you some context because I'm not going to read the whole thing. I want to focus in on about eight or nine verses and talk about that, Uh, but but Jude, if you read leading up to this, you know, he's writing to believers, ultimately, I feel like, about how to persevere in the midst of some things, and some of the things he mentions is uh, false teaching and slandering and grumblers and fault finders, and you can read all that in the first part of his uh his letter there uh but we're gonna pick it up uh after he kind of shifts gears and so he's talking about these things and he mentions these things leading up to this passage and then he kind of shifts uh from writing about that to encouraging believers and i believe ultimately us today and i want to pull some things out of this but let's read it together this is jude chapter one i want to start in verse 17 and we're going to read through verse 25 uh says but you dear friends remember what was predicted by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ? They told you. In the end time, there will be scoffers living according to their own ungodly desires. These people will create divisions and are worldly, not having the Spirit. But you, dear friends, as you build yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting expectantly for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Jesus Christ for eternal life. Have mercy on those who waver. Save others by snatching them from the fire. Have mercy on others, but with fear, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. Now, to him who is able to protect you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory without blemish and with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, power, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. I want to talk to you on this subject today. Uh, you don't have to stumble. You don't have to stumble. You ever felt like you were going through life and it was just like, well, apparently th- I'm just going to stumble through life, like I'm just this is just what it's going to be. I'm going to stumble for a little bit and then God's going to pick me up and then I'm going to stumble for a little bit and God's pick me up and I'm going to be in situations where I'm going to be caused to stumble. I believe that there are some things we can learn and that I want to pull out from here uh, that are that are letting us know, hey, you don't have to stumble because Jude is writing about you know people that are coming in uh, to to this body of believers and these Christians and and these followers of Jesus and and they're teaching things and they're they're doing certain things that are causing division and all this and he says hey here's what's going on but then he transitions and he says but you somebody say but you but you he says but you this is what you do this is what you do and so I want to pull out four things and as I was you know working through this and studying this and making notes on it you ever you ever found yourself in an environment where it seemed difficult to, to stand firm in your faith? You ever found yourself in a work environment where it was like, I don't know how I'm gonna keep standing for Jesus in this work environment? You ever been around some people where it was it was almost like I'm trying to live for Jesus, but they're coming against me, or somebody else who has a different belief? than you do, and so they're trying to convince you, you know, in a roundabout way to try to doubt God, you know, and it's almost like, you know, in the garden where the, the serpent comes and the enemy comes and he says, did God really say, or, you know, did you, like, if God really loved you, would that have happened? And so we're facing all these things, and sometimes it it's a little bit difficult to stand firm in our faith. Um, sometimes, you ever found yourself in a place of doubt, where you start doubting the goodness of God, you start doubting His faithfulness, you start wondering... <laughs> Like, what is what is God doing in this situation? And I think Jude is pointing out that, hey, there are some, there are some situations and things that are going to happen. Uh, it's been told. It's been written about. There are some things that are going to happen that uh, you're going to have to do some things to stand firm in your faith. You're going to have to do some things. I want to give you some instructions to try to help you. And he transitions. He says, but you, this is what you need to do. Now, I, I enjoy... Um, things like escape rooms or uh, going through like a maze. Anybody ever done like a maze and you found yourself going through a maze and you took a wrong turn and you hit a dead end or you stumbled over something? Anybody ever done a maze like in the dark and you're trying to find your way through and things like that? Like I, I enjoy those challenging things like that. But wouldn't it be nice if beforehand you had some kind of map that you could study and it's like, okay, if I can just remember to go here and then turn left and then go past two doors and then turn right and then hang another right and then turn around and go this way that I would actually make it through wouldn't it be nice if there was some instruction where it's like hey if you'll do this and then this and then this and then this and you'll live your life in this way that you won't stumble and it won't be a struggle for you and you'll be able to make it through no matter what the situation is wouldn't that be awesome and that's what i think that that's what i think i'm seeing here as we end you know the last part of what judas is telling us and what he's written down for these believers and ultimately i think for us today as well and so i think that he's trying to encourage us and i want to pull out four things here's the first thing that I think we need to know. If we're going to stand firm, if we're going to you know, fight to not stumble along the way as we're living and following Jesus, here's the first thing. It's so simple, but it is so profound at the same time. You've got to know the word. And I almost titled this point, Remember the Word, because of the way that he words it. If you look in verses 17 through 19. But you, dear friends, remember what was predicted. In other words, you have been told. You have already heard it. Somebody has already let you know. What's going to happen? Somebody has already let you know it's going to be difficult. Somebody has already let you, like you have already been told you need to remember what was predicted by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They told you, in the end time there will be scoffers living according to their own ungodly desires. These people create divisions and are worldly, not having the Spirit. Now in this context of these verses, it's obvious that you know there are people... That Jude is writing about. He says, hey, there are going to be some people that are living according to their own desires. Things that are not godly, things that are not following after Jesus. They're going to be living according to what they desire. And come on, isn't this true? Like, Like, isn't this true today? You ever found yourself in a place where you were just living for you? You were just doing what you wanted to do? I was thinking... About this, how you know there are just some people, myself included. I remember going through seasons I was growing up, and you're like you're 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 working it out, and you're trying to figure out like, okay, what do I believe, and what does the Bible say, and things like that. And and sometimes you just go through seasons, and you encounter people that they just don't want to live like they want the grace of God, but they don't want God to tell them how to live their life. I want to I want to be saved, but I don't want to live. God's way and that's what I think this that's what I picture in my mind it's not that it's just that there are some people that man they're just living according to what it is that they want to do but I love the fact that Jude first points out that we need to remember what's already been said or in our context because they didn't have this written New Testament that we have that we can open our Bibles and we can actually read it that we need to remember what has been written down we need to remember, and here's here's what I know, and you know this too, you can't remember something that you don't know. You can't remember something that you haven't read. You can't remember something that you have not invested some time in to understand. And he says, you need to remember, but I think before you can even remember, you've got to, you've got to know, like you've got to Open your Bible. That's why part of our our vision and our mission here is we want everybody to know. We want you to grow in your knowledge of God. We have the word of God so that we can understand God better and we can know what he says about our lives. And we can remember it. Come on, that's what Jesus did when he was tempted. He quoted the word of God. He didn't try to come up with his own thing. He didn't try to come up with his own solution. He quoted the word of God. He said, no, it is written. This is, this is what is written. So we've got to know and remember the Word of God. Here's uh, you know, just a few verses, and you know these verses, but I want to point them out because they are so powerful when it's talking about Scripture, talking about the Word of God. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, All Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living and effective. Ooh, I like that. It's effective. It's sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating as far as the separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And if these scriptures are true about the word of God, and we know them to be true, we believe that the Bible is 100% true. If these scriptures are true about the word of God, doesn't it make sense that if the Word of God is powerful and it's effective, wouldn't we need to know it? Wouldn't it be beneficial for the follower of Jesus to actually know the Word of God so that in, in seasons and in trials and in tribulation and in environments, when it's when it's easy for us to fall into something and begin to stumble, that we would not stumble because we can remember. Not remember who I am, not remember what's true, not remember what I read, I remember what God said, I remember what His Word said says, one one theologian made this statement, I like this. He said, I have yet to meet a strong, fruitful Christian who ignores his Bible. I have yet to meet a strong, fruitful Christian who ignores his Bible. And I think there are many times in our lives where we, we want the grace of God and we want the salvation of God. And and we're like, man, I would just love to produce some fruit. I would love to be fruitful in my walk with Jesus. You know how you get fruitful in your walk with Jesus? You know the word. So that you can remember the word. So that you can walk out the word. So that you can not just be a hearer of the word, but you can actually be a doer of the word. Because the word is powerful and it's effective in your life. We need to know the word. And here's the bottom line. When we're talking about standing firm in our faith and resisting the enemy, knowing the word is going to keep us in the truth. Come on. The Bible says that you will know the truth. You know what it's talking about? The word. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The truth is what's going to keep you free. You've got to know the word, and knowing the word is going to help us resist those around us or those situations that maybe try to discredit God or cause us to doubt in our lives. So we've got to know the word. Here's the second thing I think we can pull out of this is we've got to be a growing Christian. You ever, we just did this because we've been out of town and and spending some time away and uh, being together as a family. You ever left your house for a couple of weeks? And if you're like me, come on, you leave your house and you're like bumping up the air, you know, trying to save that electric bill while you're gone. Like, we're not even going to be here to enjoy this air conditioning, so we're going to bump this thing up like 80 degrees so that we're not going to come back to this, you know. And then you get back home and it takes like four or five hours for your house to cool off because you've had it up so high. You ever notice whenever you're gone, and this just happened to us, it's like you get back, and you walk into your house that nobody's been in, you're like, why does it smell like this? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? You're like, nobody's even been here. It's like there is, a, there is an odor for vacancy. Like, there's a vacant odor. You walk back into your house, like, this house has been vacant. It smells like it's been vacant. You ever walk back into your house, and you thought, how did all these bugs And how did these ants, come on, that was our story. How did these ants get in our house while we were gone? You know, like why, you ever notice how while you're away, things tend to break? Things tend to mess up. You come home and you turn the water on, you're like, why is our hot water not working? Nobody's even been here to use the hot water. Why is our hot water not working? Like, whenever we're away and things are not tended to, things start to mess up things start to smell a little funny there's no activity going on in the house you find out there's a leak because things have just been sitting there stagnant and isn't it the same way in our spiritual life that whenever we get stagnant and we're not growing here's here's what I believe to be true if you're not growing and building yourself up and building your Christian life and growing in your Christian life there is no such thing as sitting still you're either moving forward and progressing and building, or you're moving backward, even if you don't realize it. And come on, some of us, we even have a tendency to do this in the summertime. You know, it's like we kind of disconnect a little bit and things are a little more, you know, not scheduled and stuff like that. And then you get to the, you, you get to like, you know, like where we are right now in like August and then the kids are going back to school and you're trying to like get things back together and you're like, you know, like, oh yeah, we need to do this and we need to do this and we need to like restructure some things. I know we were talking about that while we were gone. It's like we need to like restructure some things. We need to figure some things out and we need to, you know, like, like, order our lives around, around God and His design, you know, and all these things that we're having conversations about. It's, it's easy for us to think that we're sitting still, but we're actually moving backward because we're not growing and progressing. And here's what happens in our spiritual lives: Things tend to get out of alignment. Weeds begin to grow. Come on, you ever notice some spiritual weeds start to grow in your life? One day, it's like something bothers you. You're just like, that never bothered me before. Why is that bothering me now? Maybe it's because things have been stagnant. You haven't been intentional to grow, intentional to keep progressing and building in your Christian life. Faith sometimes starts to weaken because we're not maintaining things and growing and building up. And I love verses 20 and 21 because Judy says, but you, dear friends, as you build yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting expectantly for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ for eternal life. Now I want to give a few subpoints under this point because in those two verses there are a few things that stuck out to me. Here's the first thing is that we build ourselves up on our faith. And Jesus told us in, one, in probably the most famous sermon, that Jesus spoke, that your foundation matters. That what you are building your life on matters. What you are building things on really does matter. And we're called to build things on a firm foundation, the foundation of Jesus and our faith in him. We build ourselves up on that. It is the foundation that we are building ourselves up on. And if we try to build, come on, you know this. If we try to build our lives on anything else, eventually it'll fall apart. Eventually, it may last for a season, it may last for a time, it may make us feel good for a little while, but eventually it crumbles because we didn't have the right foundation. We build ourselves up on our faith. When I think about building ourselves up, I think of David. I love this verse. I go back to it a lot of times, 1 Samuel 30 and verse 6. And David was greatly distressed. Come on, Anybody ever been distressed? For the people spoke of stoning him. Because all the people were bitter in soul, each for his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Some translations say David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. And if you know the context of this, they just come out of battle. And they get back and things are destroyed and their kids are missing. And their wives are missing and they get mad at David. And it says that David in the middle of that, he was distressed at what was going on. Like there, it, it says here, they were speaking of stoning him. Like, you know what we need to do, David? Kill him. That sounds like a pretty stressful situation. And it says that in the middle of that, David encouraged himself or strengthened himself in the Lord. In the middle of difficulty, he stopped and he encouraged himself. He built himself up. He strengthened himself in the Lord. When I think of building ourselves up, I think of the church. Come on, how do you think that the church is supposed to be a place, a body of believers that build each other up? that encourage each other and and spur each other on to do. Come on, we see this in Scripture, Hebrews chapter 10. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And look at verse 25. Look at the wording. Not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but what? Encouraging one another. And look at this. I love this last line. And all the more as you see the day approaching. So it's like, hey, we come to church today, and we see each other through the week, and we're encouraging, building each other up. And guess what? Next Sunday, we're a little bit closer to the day of the Lord. And so all the more, we need to be encouraging each other and building each other up. And then next week, we're seeing each other, and we're coming to church, and we're seeing each other throughout the week, and we're working together, and all these things, and we're building each other up all the more. Because each day, we're a day closer. And because of that, it says... all the more as you see the day approaching. You start seeing the things that the Bible talking about happening. You need to be encouraging each other all the more. Building each other up all the more. First Thessalonians 5.11. Paul tells these believers, he says, Therefore, here's what you need to do. Encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. Encourage each other and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. When I think of building ourselves up, come on, I think of the gifts that we've been given from the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 3 says this, but the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Now, let me ask you a question. Have you ever had somebody come up to you and, and spoke something to you, gave you a word, you know, whatever terminology they put on it, and you thought, man, that is, like that encouraged me, that built me up, that strengthened me, or it was like, man, I've been feeling like God has been speaking that to me, and that was confirmation of what I needed to do in my life, that's the step I needed to take, that is exactly what God, God just used you, can I tell you, that's a gift from the Holy Spirit to the church, so that we can encourage and build each other up, and listen, this is why we're a church that unashamedly still believes that everything is operational, That, man, we need need to be desiring the gifts that the Holy Spirit wants to give us so that we can build each other up. It's not about being weird. It's about building each other up that the Holy Spirit is giving. Like, this is talking about prophesying. And, man, when you do this, you're building somebody up. You're encouraging somebody. This passage tells us that one of the ways, I think, that we build ourselves up is praying in the Spirit. And we pray according to how the Holy Spirit is leading us to pray, not just based on our own desire. Like, God, what are you saying? I love love Romans chapter 8 where it talks about, man, when we don't know what to pray in our weakness, the Holy Spirit is praying for us. He's helping us in our weakness. Come on, that's awesome to know that the Holy Spirit, when I don't know what to pray, when I'm feeling weak and when I'm feeling down, the Holy Spirit is praying for me praying through me and i'm being built up and i'm being strengthened all along the way here's the second thing that i see under just these couple of verses is that we keep ourselves in god's love we keep ourselves in god's love to which most of us would say i didn't know i could fall out of god's love we keep ourselves in god's love like doesn't the bible say that there's nothing that can separate us from the love of god and You know, no matter what I've done, no matter where I've been, no matter what I'm going through right now, there's nothing that can separate, like I can't fall out of God's love. And you would be correct. But I don't think Jude is talking about, hey, you need to do all the right things so that God will keep loving you. That's not what he's getting at. I think what he's getting at is an awareness of the love of God. You are keeping yourself. the, The Greek word here for keep means to guard. And it reminds me of the proverb that says guard your heart. Like, pay attention to your heart. I think this is talking about you need to pay attention to your life. You need to guard, you need to keep yourself in this place where you are living aware of the love of God. You are living from the love of God, not trying to earn the love of God. Come on, here's the reality God cannot love you anymore, and God cannot love you any less. He loves you perfectly. Every single person sitting in this room, He loves you perfectly. But I think that it's not about us doing certain things to keep God loving us. It's a matter of doing certain things so that we are reminded and aware and living in that love. That we can do and be intentional about things to make sure that we are aware of how much God loves us and we are living from that. You know, Jesus said, I think one of those things is obedient to his word. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. And I don't think it's a condemnation thing. I think he's saying, if you love me, you'll do these things. Because that's what people who love me do. Because you love me, you're going you're to do these things. So I think there's an obedience element that reminds us of how much God loves us. I think time and prayer helps us and reminds us how much God loves us. It keeps us in that love. It's about being aware of God's love for us through difficult times. And we're motivated to keep standing firm in our faith as we remember God's love for us. And here's the, the third thing under point number two, I see that we wait expectantly for Jesus. We wait expectantly for Jesus. Anybody remember CDs? Come on, anybody remember when you got in your vehicle and you actually had to hit the eject button and pull out a disc and put another disc in if you wanted to listen to a different song by a different artist on a different album? <laughs> and i was thinking about our kids and everything's digital now and so it's like hey you get in the vehicle and they're like can you play this song you know and you just click a button and there it is i remember when i was uh, i was a young teenager and i had ordered this cd and i was i was pumped y'all i mean this was like this was the album this was the cd and i remember we didn't have a mailbox at our house and so Uh, we would drive to the post office which was like five to ten minutes away and I remember during the summer you know and and I would get in the vehicle with my mom or my dad when they were going to check the mail and I was going to make sure I was there because I was waiting expectantly for this cd to be in the mail and I would get there and I'd be like oh maybe it's going to be tomorrow maybe it's going to be tomorrow you know some translations talk about waiting anxiously for the mercy of Jesus and eternal life that he's promised us and I remember waiting anxiously it was like I could it was like I had this this something inside of me was so passionate about having to get this cd and i thought what would it look like in our lives if we actually lived that way and i think there's a fine line between there's there's a balance between waiting expectantly and anxiously while still understanding that we're here with a purpose to reach people because sometimes you ever you ever fell into the into the place where you were like you know like you were no longer focused on trying to reach people but you were just focused on lord get me out of (laughs) here you know what i'm saying it's like, you see what's going on around here? Like, just get me out of here. You know, can we just can we be done with it now? Can we just move on? Can we, you know, like make everything perfect and everything's going to be good? But while we're here, God still has a purpose. And so there's this balance that we're going to talk about in just a moment where we're still called to reach people while we wait expectantly and anxiously for what Jesus has promised us. And here's what I notice in, the, in just these couple of verses. What are we doing? We're building our lives on our faith and we're living our lives out of God's love, and our hope is strong because we're waiting expectantly for eternal life. You know what I see? I see our lives wrapped in three things, faith, hope, and love. you ever seen that before? Jude says, you know what? You need to build yourself up on your faith. You keep yourself in God's love, and you need to have hope. You need to wait expectantly for what God is going to do. Wait expectantly for Jesus and what he's promised you in the eternal life that you have in him. Here's, here's the third thing that I want to pull out of here is I think we need to use spiritual discernment, and we're talking about standing firm and living our faith out, being able to resist temptation to stumble and resist the things that would that would come against us. Um, I believe, I mentioned a minute ago, that we're called to help others around us and reach people, but I believe what I see in here is that along the way, as we're doing that, we need to use discernment. Like, we need to have the, the spiritual discernment to know how to approach people and how to handle things because here's what we know everybody in this room and everybody that you know is in a different place spiritually and they have different backgrounds and they're in a different place in their life and they're walking through different situations and so if we try to use listen I think if we try to use one approach like if we're going to everybody and it's like this is the approach that we're using and this is what we're going to do and we just need to tell you the truth and this is that and listen there's a place for that but there's also a place, as we're going to see in a moment, I think Jude points out like three different scenarios. Did you notice it when we read it earlier? Three different scenarios. And I want, to, I want to read this again. These are verses 22 and 23. He says, have mercy on those who waver. Some translations say doubt. Save others by snatching them from the fire. Have mercy on others, but with fear, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. Did you see discernment in there? Like there are some people that are, that are doubting. And so you need to have mercy on them, and you need to pay attention to, like, like what they need is they need you to help them with their doubt. And there are others that, that he says are in the fire, so you need to snatch them from the fire. And then there are others, he says, and you need to show mercy on these kind of people, but with fear. It reminds me of when we went through Galatians, and Galatians 1 talks about how we're to, you know, Gently restore people but but also pay attention so that we don't fall into our own into the same temptation It's like show mercy on people but with fear and and here's like here's one way on the That 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 there that I think is is so important for us to realize Is that we're called to love the person but hate the sin and here's where we get, here's, here's where things start to get gray, is when our, and this is, and this is easy to do, listen, this is easy to do, but we start, our hate for the sin starts to trickle over into the person. And now, the thing that, that we're trying to, 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 to pull somebody out of, or trying to encourage somebody, or trying to lead somebody to Jesus, we start to get frustrated and then where he says, like, to show mercy to these people, but at the same time do it with fear and, and hate even the garment that's defiled by the flesh. And I was, I was thinking through some of this, and, like, some people, if we could just put it practically for just a moment, some people, I think, need help through discipleship. Like, there's an approach for discipleship, that like they're just not spiritually mature yet, or they're not really that grounded in their faith yet, and they just need help and somebody to walk alongside them. They face something difficult, and so they're struggling with some doubt in their life. I think sometimes people just need to be reminded of the truth, right? You ever, you ever had somebody in your life that just kind of walked away? And they walked away from Jesus, or they walked away from their faith, or they walked away from like, you know, they were following Jesus closely at one point, but then they kind of walked away, and now they've kind of ventured off? Or somebody that's believed a lie, or somebody that's believing a version of Christianity that isn't real. I think there's some, there's, there's some people that, there's some instances where sin needs to be confronted. And there's a place for that. And the first message that we did in Red Letters, we talked about Matthew 18, where Jesus said, here's how you need to handle if, if your brother sins or offends you. Like sins against you or offends you, this is what you need to do, and this is how you need to handle it, and it, like you need to go to them. And then get some other people, if that doesn't work, get some other people around you that are praying and can go with you. And so there's a place for that. But I think what I, what I see here ultimately is that as we're reaching people and as we're, we're loving, like, like love and mercy is always there. Love and mercy is always there. We're always called to love and, and show mercy. But I think there's like your coworker may be in a different place than your spouse. And you're trying to lead your spouse like lovingly to Jesus and be an example. But then your coworker is in a different place. And if you try to use the same exact approach with everybody, then sometimes it makes us ineffective with everybody. And so I think the Holy Spirit wants to lead us and guide us as while we're here, we're, we're here to reach out to people and love people and show mercy and restore people and build people up, confront things when they need to be confronted. But it's all through love and it's all through mercy for the person and having discernment for what is the, what is the approach for this situation? What is the approach with this person? What is the, what is the thing that this person needs? Holy Spirit, I want to I be your hands and feet and I want to lead this person. You know, I want to lead them into truth. I want to show them what your word says. I want to, to be a light in their life. What does that look like for me to do that for this person versus this person? Versus this person. And just using discernment. And bring the worship team back. And then here's the last thing that I see. And this one's probably the most important one that we could talk about today. Surrender fully to Jesus. Surrender fully to Jesus. Um, I think that everything that we've talked about up to this point is all held together by our willingness to be fully surrendered and committed to Jesus. Um, I love verse 24. You ever... You ever read through your Bible? You see this a lot in when Paul writes something. You ever, you ever read the first part of the letter and you just kind of skip the first six verses the next time you read it? Because it was like his greeting. He was like, hey, you know, like grace and peace to you and our Lord Jesus Christ and I'm a servant of Jesus and this is why I'm writing to you and you kind of just read by that. You ever done that with the end? Where he says, you know, And to him who is able, who is worthy. And you just kind of read past that and it's like, well, there's really not anything for me to get there. I would submit to you that there's a lot that we can get there. And in this particular one, look at verse 24. He says, now to him who is able to do what? Protect you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory without blemish and with great joy. Why is it so important for us to surrender fully to Jesus? Because he's the one who's able to protect us from stumbling and take away every blemish, allow us to stand in his presence with great joy. Why is it so important that we fully surrender to Jesus? I think that if we're not fully surrendered to Jesus, chances are that we don't have a desire to do any of the other th- we don't have a desire to know his word when we fully surrender to jesus i think there's something inside of us the holy spirit of god that's like you need to know this you need to know who god is you need to know who your father is you need to know what he says about you you need to know so that you can recall and you can remember what he's already said you can remember what is true you can remember these things I think that it's important for us to fully surrender to Jesus because chances are if we're not fully surrendered, there's probably not much of a desire to grow and build and do what God's called you to do. I think everything that we've talked about so far is all held together by our hearts being fully surrendered to him and not partially surrendered. I, I love this wording because Jude says, Now to him, who is him, God, who is able to protect you from stumbling and to make you stand in, his pre- in the presence of his glory without blemish and with great joy. Does, it sound, does that the first line of that sound familiar? Now to him, who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly more. Than you could ever ask, think, or imagine. Because of his power at work within you. There are so many instances in your Bible. Where they're like, now to him. Now to him. Now to God. And then they list all it, like, all power is his. All majesty is his. All honor is his. All glory is his. Everything is his. And to me, when I read that, I think that, that is reason enough for me to fully surrender. He's the one who's able to do exceedingly abundantly more than I could ever ask, think, or imagine. He's the one who's able to protect me from stumbling and to wipe away my sin and, and to forgive me of everything, and he paid the price for me. Come on, we've got to live our lives fully surrendered to God. Amen. Will you stand to your feet for just a moment? Uh, I was thinking about this and especially in this last point and I had this this thought come to my mind as I was studying because so many times you read in the Bible where God is able, God is able, God is able he's able, nothing's impossible with him God is able, God is able and I was thinking God is able, but are we willing? God is able, but are we willing to surrender? God is able, but are we willing to be obedient? God is able. I was thinking about Ephesians 3 20. Now, to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than you could ever ask, think, or imagine. And a lot of times we quote that part but it's according to his power at work within us so that tells me I have to be willing to allow his power to work in me he's able but am I willing am I willing to surrender I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I want to pray for you. We're going to sing one final song, but I just want you to ask, as we do most Sundays, just right there where you are, just, Holy Spirit, what are you speaking to me? What are you speaking to me? How do you want to encourage me? How do you want to lead me? How do you want to guide me? How can I be a doer of your word and not just a hearer? Lord, I thank you right now. Lord, I thank you for your word. Your word is alive. It's active. It's effective. Lord, I thank you that you're a personal God and you speak to each one of us individually. Lord, you know where each one of us is at. So my prayer is that for every person that's here, even those that are watching online, that, that we would fully submit and surrender to you. And that we would allow you to do in our lives what you need to do, what you desire to do, to change us, to transform us to make us more like your son, Jesus. And Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would fill in every gap. Lord, every gap where we may miss it or every gap where I may miss it or didn't say what needed to be said, Lord, you are so much greater than I am so ultimately we just pray your will would be done and that you would speak as the prayer team comes i just pray right now for every person under the sound of my voice that there's anybody here who needs prayer for anything anything in their life as we sing this last song holy spirit i just pray that you would draw every person today who needs prayer in jesus name amen